What's up? This is Ryan for the Scale of Show. I have a special guest. It is Katan An, who is the founder and CEO of Qualum, sold the former company to Oracle, was head of growth at Chargebee, helped it grow 3X, which is absolutely amazing. And he's got a killer solution. It, he basically helps you cut out up to 30, maybe even 40% of your costs from your SaaS spend within, and check this out, within 60 to 90 days. How cool is that? You're not going to want to miss this. Really interesting approach in terms of how he's doing things. It's very simple, but the time to value is amazing. You're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Indus Ketan, who is the CEO and founder at Qualum, who previously was the head of growth at Chargebee, sold a previous company at to Oracle, and actually is doing some really cool things in the SaaS spend side that you're going to get into. Indus, happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Hey, great, uh, great talking to you, Ryan. Yes, sir, man. We're going to get into this. So, just so everybody has an understanding of where you're at in terms of the revenue range, can you give us an understanding of where you're at in terms of your ARR? Uh, we are somewhere between zero to five million in ARR. We started sales only a quarter ago, so you know, getting there slowly. Awesome. So very early stage. So what's your primary go-to-market motion for revenue growth? So we sell to an ICP where uh, our customers are mid-size, so predominantly driven by outbound. So we have an ICP where look out for finance and FinOps professionals and uh, bring them in our funnel and then you know get into opportunity and close them. Okay. And when you say uh, mid-size, like what re- kind of revenue range would you classify that? I always like to ask uh, Roughly again. $10 million to $150 million ARR. Those are the businesses that we are going after. Okay, good. I had another, <laughs> I had another guest say uh, mid-market was up to a billion. So that's why I always like to ask just for clarity purposes, right? Got to get specific. Uh, so walk us through your solution because I absolutely love it and think everybody listening is, is going to want to hear about it. I think the, the premise is simple. You know, when I was at Chargebee earlier, we were in hyper growth mode. And what I noticed that, you know, my team was using um, many of these applications, SaaS apps, you know, for, uh, for growth hacks, for marketing, for, you know, sales optimization without any uh, record keeping in the process. And in that moment, I realized, hey, is there a solution to manage the madness my team would take my credit card and then use it on you know, 50 different tools and finance would come knocking at, at the quarter. Hey, Indus, what is the $1,600 charge on your account? I'd say, what 1600? I have no idea. And I would know that somebody in my team use it. Now I'm asking my team, hey, who used that 1600? I'll say, yeah, wasn't that six months ago? <laughs> and voila. So I thought, hey, let's become a solution we are, where we are a man in the middle in the flow of money and looking at every dollar that is swiped on a SaaS merchant and then managing it for the buyer. So get the invoices, look at whether the charges are up appropriate as per the contract signed. And the biggest one that we found, many of these products, people are not using after they buy. So mm. we go and reconcile and help companies save a ton of money. That's awesome. 
So it's kind of like the old gym membership, right? Where I, I can't remember, I think the stats were like 80% of gym memberships aren't even ever used. So they get that recurring fee. But then you multiply that with uh, the sassification of companies that they're leveraging. And so, I mean, I don't want to get on a tangent here, but what's the largest amount of waste that you've seen at, at a company before? I have several examples from a video conferencing software that we all know, super popular. Two founders bought the exact number of seats for all of their employees, and one of them never got deployed. So imagine you are a 300-people uh, company, two founders buy 300 licenses, one of them sitting idle for 18 months. Can you can that. compute the number, you know, $25 per user per month goes to $25,000, $30,000 a year. I'll give you another one, uh, a very popular online writing assistant tool. We all know the name. Founders thinks, hey, our company has to become better at writing, you know, content, whether it's a Jira ticket, whether it's internal communication, buys everybody a license. 90% of the people never log in or mm -hmm. add that Chrome extension on their toolbar. And it's a waste that is nobody's auditing. And we found that we've seen uh, you know thirty, forty thousand dollars very easily you know from some of the popular tools. You know you have duplicate subscriptions of uh, I'm going to name some Monday.com and Asana, and of course you have Trello and Notion. Somebody bought hundreds of licenses, nobody's using it, and at twenty, thirty thousand dollars just down the drain. I can totally see that. I mean, I, I yeah, I can totally see that. So. Um... So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later because that's very interesting in the use cases. How about um, you mentioned you're in the kind of the seed round area, so you're you're funded, right? Anything else you want to share about your funding partners or investors or anything like that? Yeah, we raise money from Sequoia, Nexus Venture Partners, and almost a dozen angels in the valley. We raised money before this uh, massive asset bubble that we saw in last two years pre-pandemic in 2019 at a much lower valuation than what the market was in the last couple of years and still surviving on that money. We want to hit the product market fit before we go out and raise a series A. So that, that was like a couple of years ago that's what we raised. Okay, awesome. So let's get into your, your backstory because it's really interesting like what you did prior to, to starting this organization. And um, would just love to hear that. I, I know you, you 3X revenue at Chargebee. Um, you did some other things that were really interesting. So just walk us through kind of how you got to this point. I think very interestingly, I'm an engineer by, you know, my pedigree as a, as a professional. Uh, I wrote Java code for large enterprises, you know, from um, ad tech to search engines to, you know, e-commerce, anything that you could imagine, you know, as a Java dev, you, because you move from one company to the other. But then in the last you know, 10, 15 years, I just got enamored that, hey, I got to create something of my own. And when iPhone came out, uh, if you remember very famously, that every executive of a large company would say, hey, Mr. IT department, I want to get my iPhone and my iPad to work. Why can't I get my company a corporate email? Why can't I access my Microsoft documents? And then IT would say, hey, we don't have a policy for allowing personal devices. And then an animosity would brew between these two cohorts. So we found a solution where large companies would be uh, enabled to access their intranet. And through a hack that we built an initial solution, we found 
you know, very large companies as customers from the likes of, uh, you know, Chevron Corporation, UBS Bank, General Dynamics, Capgemini, sold the company to Oracle, you know, had a good exit, spent some time there, and then, uh, you know, bumped into an amazing founder called Krish, who ran this company called Chargebee back then in 2016, you know, very small. And then he and I hit, hit it off and then decided to join Chargebee and run growth. I had no exposure to SMB businesses. I am a classical uh, enterprise guy, and then you know saw the rapid growth of Chargebee, and that's when I realized you know uh, the the problem of SaaS in terms of the number of tools being used, and then kind of quit Chargebee and started Cool. Okay, so that's I mean that's an awesome journey. So lots of different levels of experience. So quick question though, how did you how did you get put in charge of growth if your background was engineering like? How did that happen? And like, I guess, what did you focus on? Because sometimes titles are deceiving. Yeah, so uh, I had done a brief stint as a marketer uh, at a company called Symantec, where I ran marketing operations. I did product marketing. At my own startup, Bitzer, I graduated from an engineer who wrote code for the first couple of years to a product marketer and then learned firsthand. The most interesting piece was at two years at Oracle, I ran... Um, product marketing and that exposed me to sales to you know customer success and that basically um, made my transition to running growth so when krish and i met we had no idea what we would do he generally liked me as a person we had a couple of things he wanted me to do and then we basically carved out a growth org and my job was to run you know 10 15 different experiments on a quarterly basis and see can we uptick the revenue by five ten percent in that particular department. That was my transition to growth. Okay, that totally makes sense. So, is that is that how you three x? I, I guess like that's that's kind of curious to me because what was the revenue when you, you started there, and then what was the revenue when you left at Charge? Uh, we we were at around four and a half million. We when I left, it was around fourteen ish, fifteen ish million. I would not take credit for that growth. I think Chartbee was a fantastic product when I joined. It had an amazing inbound machine where people were just coming in on a daily basis. You know, highly qualified leads would just show up, you know, and this was the engine which Krish had put in place even before I joined. All I did took that engine and multiplied it in added programs on top where people would know the brand, understand what we do, see the value prop. And that basically propelled us into a different trajectory. Gotcha. Okay. And was that triggered from like content or what, what created the inbound or was it like paid ads or Google keywords or what, what was kind of the primary mechanism for that? I think we, we had five or six engines running on top. So for example, we ran a, a partnership program. So we partnered with the likes of Stripe and Adian and uh, Braintree for payment related uh, you know, co-marketing and co-sales opportunities. Then we partnered with a lot of these e-commerce players who our customers were using, for example, the likes of HubSpot and Clavio that would uh, bring a lot of inorganic, uh, you know, leads into a funnel. Uh, then we ran branding and awareness and events. So Chartbee was very well known in the circles of developers who are early adopters who wanted to simplify SaaS management or, or recurring revenue management. But nobody mm -hmm. knew in mid-size or large enterprise companies that we existed. So my goal was elevate the brand of the company. So that's another mm -hmm. 
um, we had one of the biggest presents at Saster. You know, Charles, we had an, had a presence, but how can we do a 10x? So we had the biggest and the largest booth at Saster, and everybody thought, hey, this company is bigger than what it looks like, and they have a solution that is important. And within a span of 12 months, we were in top three of uh, subscription management business. And people started recognizing us, and that helped get us into bigger deal sizes than we were, when we were earlier. That's interesting. A great strategy too. Basic, but really sharp in terms of the way you executed that, especially with the, the, the building blocks that you had in place. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. What about now, you know, Qualum, in terms of like, what would you say is like your number one? And I, I know you mentioned outside sales, but what would you say is your number one growth strategy that you're leveraging now to really blow things up? I think we first found our product market fit. So we were not sure, is this something people would go after? So, you know, I have never built a product for finance or this is the first time I'm experimenting with that. And you know, finance typically is very risk averse. They would buy solutions from two or three vendors and then stay put. Uh, a very radical approach we took is, can we come out and say, you need a new virtual corporate card that would do many things beyond just buy a Starbucks coffee or, or an airline ticket, but it would only help you buy SaaS cloud and media, but Behind the scenes, it will take away a lot of your pain, you know, aggregating invoices, you know, helping you reconcile faster, and of course, measure what you're consuming or not, which is different. So we invented a new product category, which is what we are calling a SaaS card, essentially a card designed only to pay for SaaS, and then it has a bunch of software features behind the scenes. So brand building is one, and second is the outbound motion of, hey, we have a solution is this something interesting? Our ticket size are much higher, so we kind of build an inbound engine, but not relying on that lead funnel, but mostly going after a very specific set of individuals who could see this problem and then want a solution around it. Okay, so the in terms of the brand building, I guess that makes sense. So you're you're trying to define a new category with the SaaS card. Is that accurate or that's accurate? Uh, so SaaS management is very IT centric. So if you go on to, let's say G2 and, or any other, uh, or you search on Google, say SaaS management, it'll take you to the traditional IT operations management, the likes of Okta, Better Cloud, uh, Tori, Zylo and Productive, you know, that are bought by IT departments saying, oh, I need to see if my data is secure, login, logouts, and anybody is misconfigured. That's it, you know. But we are trying to reinvent the category saying, no, it is no longer about IT operations, but finance is paying money for the products. They need to know whether that product is legit. So kind of redefining the category and with the help of SaaS card and making it simple that you don't have to go out and you know, do this massive onboarding. We use the card, 
everything just follows automatically. Okay, love that. And so is your product a combination of SaaS plus FinTech? Like, are you, is it almost like a virtual credit card where you're getting the fees as well, like Stripe would or something like that? Yeah, so we, on the front, it uh, it's a duck that quacks like a SaaS. In the back, it's a duck that quacks like a FinTech. Uh, so, you know, very much like a FinTech, uh, we do monetize a little bit on the interchange, but we kind of use it to discount the software. Um, the product is sold as a SaaS product. So you have a fee, uh, which is a SaaS fee. And then any interchange that we make, we kind of help discount the overall price of the product. So kind of combination of both. Okay. So is it, it's almost, is it a rev share then based on the the outcome that you create on the back end? Is that what it is or no? Or is it just a transaction fee? You know, just a, just a flat fee. So let's say you are a business with a million in SaaS spend, which is, you know, around 15 million in, in ARR, we would charge between 25 to $35,000 annual, which is roughly two, two and a half thousand dollars a month. We will guarantee a savings of at least one X on that. Okay. And, That's awesome. and, and, and the reason we could do that is because we see the data. We see how much you're spending, how much you're using, if it's compliant to the contract. If not, we will negotiate with the vendor or cancel those subscriptions saying, oh, there you go. For a million, we are saving you close to you know, $200,000, $250,000, but we are charging you only $30,000, right? Which is, we don't do rev share, but we give you at least you know, 5 to 10x of the return on our fees and just a million dollars of spend. That's awesome. Great value prop. It's got to be easy for people to digest that, you know, and I was just asking because it seems like, and and I, I'm not super deep in Sequoia's portfolio, but it seems like that's a lot of the SaaS companies they like to invest in are, you know, the SaaS plus, um, or as you, I like the way you put it better, the, the duck on the front end and then the FinTech duck on the back end. I've never heard that before. That's the first on the show ever. So um, maybe we'll hit that on the highlights. I don't know. <laughs> um, and obviously, I imagine, like, did all your experience at Chargebee, just seeing how much companies were spending on it, uh, really impact, like, the innovation that you're creating? Because it seems like that's an obvious progression, right? I didn't see the spend of other companies at Chargebee because, you know, we were seeing the gross revenues that were flowing through us and not on individual tools. But I saw our own spend at Chargebee. That was my eye-opener. That was like a shock to me when I saw the numbers saying, oh, man, is this how much we spend on SaaS the whole freaking way? And uh, you know, when I started doing market research, it was just an eye opener. Just talking to 10 CFOs gave me an idea that, you know, the rot is much deeper than what it looks on the surface. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. And I thought that was an interesting stat, not to gloss it over that you mentioned, where if someone's... 50 million in AR on on average, it's about a million they spend in SaaS. Is that kind of what you've seen from the, the data sampling you've looked at? Between one and a one and a half million. We see roughly eight to ten percent of your ARR in that category of growth would be on SaaS. And our analysis says around 30% of that you could easily add to your bottom line because you know you bought duplicate subscriptions, you have unused seats, you know, you have um, products that are very similar, you could easily cancel those accounts or you have not negotiated any discounts for an annual contract. You're still paying month over month, many of these, and you'll see, you know, 
dollars getting added if you have a million and a half in spend. Okay. And how fast is that up and happen when you implement? Like, what's the time to result? So you'll get first 5 10% probably in a week. So the moment we see the spend wow. coming in and we see some utilization coming in, we easily see like 5 10% right away in the first week of onboarding. And then in 90 days, we will see the remaining 15 20% showing up as we understand the data a little bit more. Love it. That's awesome. That's a great... That's a great timeline or time horizon for a result for an investment too. So what would you say right now? Because obviously you're growing, you're at the seed stage. What would you say is your your single biggest challenge with revenue growth right now? I think, uh, you know, we are selling to finance uh, as a department and they have to be convinced that we are a legit business. This is not a fly-by-night operation of some guy because I'm going to be honest with you. Last two years of hyper growth, there are at least 50 different fintech vendors in the market. The moment they say, oh, you're a fintech vendor, you're trying to sell me a card, I'm not interested. And we kind of turn the conversation around and say, but, but guess what? I'm not going to give you any cash back. They say, get out of my face. I don't even want to hear this. But when I say, no, there's, there's a value, we'll save you money, then they start talking. So I think getting them convinced that this is not yet another flyby, give me 2% cash back operator. They start kind of listening to us and then you know, converting them. So I think uh, you know, convincing finance, finding progressive CFOs, I think that's our challenge. Okay. So would you say that's in the form of just like kind of getting at, at bats with, with customers or like just creating the pipeline? Um, to do that? Or what, what do you think, like, because it's, I mean, here, let's face it, every kind of early stage company, there's always challenges to pop up, right? So I'm just curious, um, is it finding that exact mindset of the individual or just like quantity on top of the mindset? I think quantity on top of mindset because, you know, there are enough uh, set of companies who have a problem and then there are enough people who, who want to be sold uh, a product like this just finding those, you know, having quantity in place and then, you know, showing them value and, and converting them as customers. I think that's what's remaining. Okay, excellent. And so um, we're just about up on time, uh, which this is great, really, really eye-opening and, and definite need for what you're talking about in the market. So I guess like high level in a couple sentences, where do you see the future of tech going over the next three to five years? I think we'll see a lot of tech being built up. I'm going to quote, uh, there is a computer scientist by the name uh, uh, Grady Booch, and he says, hey, uh, 30, 40 trillion lines of code were written in the last 40 years, and those were written for mainframe. Who's going to rewrite those? You know, jokes apart, uh, the, 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 the thing that we're trying to portray that, you know, software is going to stay, you know, cloud is still going to happen, we spend what four trillion dollars in IT every year. You know, only five to ten percent is SaaS or cloud. So I think there's a ninety percent room to grow. So you know, whatever is happening in the market now, you know, recession, inflation. I think it's a short term, twelve to eighteen month thing. But I'm super optimistic long term. What's going to happen in tech? Well, it was really great having you on. I think you have an amazing solution that has massive applicability. Uh, and so where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Qualum? And then we'll wrap things up. 
pretty easy. I am Indus Ketan on LinkedIn um, or Google me. I probably one of the top results with that name on LinkedIn. And Quolum.com, that's our website for our SaaS spend management solution. And Katan is spelled K-H-A-I-T-A-N, just so you know. So um, anyways, Indus, it was awesome having you on the show. It was a pleasure. And uh, thanks for sharing your journey and just kind of where you're going and, and all the progress you're making. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely amazing chatting with you, Ryan, um, and look forward to talking to you and meeting you offline. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.